talk about something heathen? Yes. Okay. What would you like to talk about? Heathenry. We're going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I guess we'd better start off by saying... Hello, lovely listeners. Hello. Hello. Welcome around the virtual campfire. Come on in, settle in, warm your knees, grab a warm drink of choice. It's getting a wee bit chilly up here in the Northern Hemisphere. Get nice and comfy, pull up a log, grab the biscuit tin from wherever it's gone. It's around here somewhere. I haven't seen it. I don't know where it is. Moving on. Nobody can prove anything. You and the biscuit tin. <laughs> there is a biscuit tin around here somewhere, lovely listeners. You've just got to go find it. I was nowhere near the cottage. You can't prove a thing. It was the river. But that I wouldn't know, of course, because I wasn't there. Are you feeling quite all right? Yes, absolutely well. Okay, just checking in there. <laughs> never, you know, just never, just never doing better. a bit of an emotional check-in. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 94. 94? 94. 94. 4 and 90? 94. Indeed. Okay. So today we've settled in around the campfire, we've got our hot drinks, we've had our wee bit of theme music, it's a bit cool so we're going to have to kind of snug in around the fire a wee bit. Uh, obviously bearing in mind the Socially, need for continued social distancing, social please. Social distancing, yes. Yeah. All of that. So, Safe safely round the virtual so, campfire so is virtual kind of snug in together but make sure there's at least two metres distance between you yeah for that ice cold wind to zip through there and steal all your body warm <laughs> I'm seeing a flaw in this plan well, don't okay. blame me I'm not an epidemiologist I've got a question for you miss not an epidemiologist how did I manage to say epidemiologist after this much whiskey I don't know Okay. what connects a moon of Saturn and the rowing club of Rotterdam Oh, I, I don't, oh, no, hang on, wait. Okay. I don't know anything about the rowing club of Rotterdam. Yeah. And I don't know what all the moons of Saturn are called. I'm sensing a bit of a theme here. I know one of them is Titan. Yep. I think. Jupiter's Ganymede, Europa, Io and Callisto are the four big ones. Titan's a big one and it's not round Jupiter, so it must be Saturn. Does Saturn have a Tethys as well? Don't know. Sea God. Yeah, probably. Um, not sure. Not the one I'm thinking of. You're going to have to help me out because I don't know. Okay. 
Moon of Saturn. Mm-hmm. Saturn has a whole kind of moon fan base going on. It's got a fair crowd of moons. It's got a fair crowd of moons. And there is a group of those moons that's called the Norse group of moons. Really? Which is just a mad, mad concept. One of those moons is named after the topic I want to talk about. Okay. Skarthy. Skarthy. Skarthy is a moon of Saturn and she's also... The rowing club of Rotterdam is named after her as well. Awesome. Which is a bit of a mad connection, but I'm kind of in that sort of headspace. Well, you kind of wonder where the link <clears> came <throat> from, but, you know, I'll go with it. Yeah. Oh, before we move on, yeah. Saturn has a particularly interesting set of additional moons. Very, very small ones. Uh-huh. And you may have heard them referred to. They're called shepherd moons. Oh, I know that. That's that whole kind of whale song 1980s album shepherd moon now that's the thing yeah enya the uh irish singer yes um, clanad means one of the singers from clanad i think she's one of the sisters yeah from from of the group that i think she was was she originally in clanad and then she set she off on came her own out. yeah clanad being the only number one hit in the uk that has lyrics of four words Yes, they do, don't they, with they the Robin did. Hood one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Robin the Hooded Man, end of learning of lyrics. And that's that it, yeah. All the that's lyrics all you, need you needed. Enya, yes. Enya, whose name was originally spelt E I T H E, E I T H N E, but pronounced Enya, so she just anglicised it. Anyway, that's not the point. Shepherd Moons. She did an album called Shepherd Moons. She did. And when I was a fairly young, younger than this, I used to sort of sit and look at that and I think, why is the S there? Why is it not a shepherd's moon? Because she's obviously, you know, it's it's all very mm. folkish and not folkish, all very folk musicish and, you know, mm. all that kind of thing. She's singing about the moon, obviously. Why is it? Why is it? Mo- anyway, the shepherd moons are the moons that orbit Saturn around the edge of its ring system. And they actually, they're little... They're the ones that go in like little herds. Yeah, well, they're little, 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 little chunk of gravity that they generate, which is mm. tiny, but perfect in every detail. No, tiny, but, but you know, it does, the, it does the job. And it actually influences the Saturn's rings to stay in their discrete ring pattern that, they've, that they have. And, and it sort of contains them nicely. Mm. It keeps them all in a, like a flat plane and in those, those beautiful like discrete ring rings disky. that you see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I did not know this. Completely irrelevant to what you wanted to talk about. Anyway, Scarthy. Yeah. Okay, yes. Mm-hmm. Scarthy. You might see her name as Scarthy, Scardy, or Skade. Skade? I've never seen Skade. S-K-A-D-E. Scarde. Yeah, you're more likely to see it as Scarthy with a T-H or Scardy with D. Would I be right in assuming the D has come from a, a thorn or similar? Not a thorn. Um, yeah, it's like a D with, with a line, a, a curved thing and a wee cross line across yeah. it, which gets pronounced as a TH. But yeah, yeah. So you might see it Scardy or Scarthy mm-hmm. from that spelling. Occasionally, you'll see it as Scade. Okay. And she's a Jotun goddess. All right. And we know very little about her in the mythology. Okay. There are two stories, two main stories that I know of and a small handful of like the 
shepherd moons of Saturn, a small handful of other mentions of her name and yep. occasional circumstances where she's a kind of around as a background scene character in, in Asgard somewhere and she just kind of gets panned over in the in the wide shots, but you're not actually focusing on her. Okay. Well, it's an ensemble cast. You've got to give them... It is a bit of an ensemble cast and you have to give each one of them a bit of a focus on their own. Yeah. <laughs> well, there are two episodes in that, if I carry on stretching that metaphor <laughs> into Toffee, there are two big stories that have her in it. One of them we know... One of them we know. Well, I mean, obviously you know both of them. Two of them we know. Two of them we know. Two of them we've covered in this podcast. So we've covered the case of the missing apples, which is where it starts. We have. And we've covered Can the Mountains mountains Love the Sea. sea. Yeah. So that's like back in episode 22 or something. Mm -hmm. It's the other big Scarthy story. And if you haven't heard either of those, we can do a very quick two-minute run-through of all of those all of her involvement in those stories. Okay. Okay. Do you want me to do the rest? Yes. Are you ready? I mean, Three, I... two, one, go it! Very quickly then. Yes. Basically, the, the Apple's job, right, was due to... Now, I can't remember exactly what the, 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 the causative factors were. I can't remember what caused him to do it, but the trickster nabbed the apples of the goddess Eden or Ethan. Yeah. And took them away. Now, these were the golden apples, which could have been oranges. Yes. I've heard it said that they were golden apples. May have been oranges. We don't know. But either way, they were the fruit that she handed out to the gods on on the regular. And this kept them regular. No, this kept them young. (laughs) Yes, young. Youthful, sprightly. Energetic. Strong and, and, and mighty and and strong of arm fate. and yes. Yeah, all of that. You said be quick, sorry. So all, uh, his nibs takes the apples or oranges to what's his name? Darzi. I was gonna Darzy. say Ver Verkingeterix, but no it wasn't him. That's fine, we can go with Verkingeterix. <clears throat> no no Th- 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 Tharzi is his name, we'll go it's with Tharzi. They confuse you, isn't it? They do. So he the goes wings. to he takes the apples to Tharzi. And uh, there's a there's a bit of a a bit of a fracas. Mm-hmm. There's there's something of a rumpus. Maybe a little bit of one. Because the gods want their apples back. Yep. Because they're all starting to get a bit creaky mm-hmm. and and long in beard. Yes. So um, I mean, those of them that are prone to beard, anyway. But anyway, um, yes. So they want the apples back, and I I mean, as the story as we as we sort of did it, they sent. Loki back to go and get the apples that he'd nicked in the first place. Mm-hmm. And they end up in a big car chase. Yes. Totally, <laughs> I'm not sure how much... Definitely of, totally a car chase. I'm not sure how much of that was in the original the original myth cycle. I don't know. I like to think it was. Mm-hmm. There was a big car chase, exchanging machine gun fire, kind of a, a, a running battle through the streets. Yep. And it finishes up with the the gods car Loki and he's got Eden hasn't he yes yeah he's got her in the boot in the boot not in the boot in the back seat and they get into the 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 the, the thing Asgard and oh they uh, in the real one they set they set they set up a fire don't they on the walls a big fire yeah, on the walls just, be, just behind the walls now Tharzi has turned into a bird of some description possibly mm-hmm. a hawk or kestrel eagle yeah. an eagle I knew that and he comes piling in after Loki who's got 
Eden and the apples. Mm-hmm. And they light the fire and he goes through the fire and gets burned to a little eagle crisp. Barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken, mm-hmm. um, which deads him. He is it deaded. Does make with the dead. And this myths, it causes miffedness to his daughter, mm-hmm. Scarvy. Yep. Who is a Jotun, as we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Lives in their house up in the mountains in the snow. Yep. Big on skiing, hunting, Big on skiing. that yep. kind of stuff. She, realising that the gods are having a celebration and figuring it can only mean one thing, i.e. they've done her dad in, mm-hmm. she is well peeved, gathers up all her stuff, right tools herself up. Like the montage, you know, when everybody's getting their guns ready and, mm-hmm. and all that. She does all that and then she go, gets, on, gets her skis and she goes skiing down the mountainside, fetches up at the gate of Asgard, bangs on said gate. Mm-hmm. Let me in, you murdering people, creatures, she says. <clears throat> yep. So they let her in because, you know, who is this woman who has the audacity to come and bang on the gate of the gods while we're having a knees up? With the barbecue chicken. With the barbecue chicken. And so she walks in and she says, right, I'm, I'm really, really hacked off because you've killed my dad. And I want, I demand recompense. Yes. Because they're in the whole, you know, you know, uh, eye for an eye, Lex Talionis, their, not their guilt, yeah. their guilt. Is that what it's called? Their guilt, where you pay. Yeah, that, I mean, that would be a payment commonly in coin or. Yeah, I, I know, but the point is, you, they, yes, you, they have you a society a... where you can pay your way out of a murder charge, is basically what I'm. Yeah. Kind of with some rules, but yes. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Lex yeah, Talionis yeah. is about rules. It's uh, yes, yeah, yeah. A lot of people think eye for an eye means like unbridled vengeance. It doesn't. An eye for an eye was a limit. Mm. It was like if somebody's taken your eye, you cannot take more than their eye, and then you have to stop. Mm. And that was that was that was what it was all about. It was we we tend to use it the wrong way around. We tend to think of it as like a. You know, if somebody does something nasty to you, it's all no holds barred. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on very quickly. Yes. Um, so she ends up issuing them a number of challenges. She says she wants to marry. No, hang on. Do they offer her one of the gods or does no. she demand one of the gods? She wants to get married. She wants to marry somebody. She wants her dad to look down upon her. Uh, no, her, she wants her dad to see her get married. Yeah. And she wants... Somebody to make her laugh. Yes. Yeah. Um, so she, there are. Do you want me to go through all them, or are we no, happy? No, no, that's good. Keep going. Uh, not I, into the detail, but can you remember how it ends? Yes, it ends with they do a competition where she has to pick the god that she wants to marry or that she's going to marry, but she has to do it by identifying them. Solely by their feet. I see what you did there. Solely by their feet. Solely by their feet. (laughs) (laughs) It was planned. It was definitely planned. So she, uh, they, they cover up the gods down to the feet, down to the ankles, and she just gets to see their feet, and uh, she picks the 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 tastiest, like lushest, like cleanest and shiniest and gorgeousest feet that of the lot. Mm Mm-hmm. Thinking, oh, this has got to be Baldur because Baldur is gorgeous, mm-hmm. right? So he's a, he's lovely, 
therefore, there's a pair of lovely feet there, therefore they've got to be his. Yep. Fair reasoning, you might think. Turns out, when they whip the blankets off, or whatever it is they're covering them with, turns out, no, Balder has not shiny feet. By implication, feet. he's got really skanky feet. Yeah, exactly. Because there's another pair of feet that are nicer than his. He is the shining one. Yeah. Right? Down to the ankles. With grotty feet. And after that, he's grotty feet. <laughs> I'm sorry, Balder. I'm sorry. Don't insult gods. Um, <clears throat> it's not a good... It's not a good look. Anyway, it turns out that she's got Njord's feet. Yes, attached to Njord. Attached to Njord, who is the god of the sea. Yep. And because he roams around in the sea a lot, his feet are always getting like... I was going to say desalinated... I don't mean desalinated. Exfoliated is what I mean. Exsanguinated. Exsanguinated. No, <laughs> no, no. Anyway, so he's got really shiny feet, so she's like, oh, shit. Sorry, we might have to bleep that out. We might. So she's like, oh, dear. I've picked the wrong god. I've mm. picked a god I didn't want. And it all ends up with a bit of a back and forth because between them, they she, she agrees to the deal. You know, she marries the guy that she's picked. But they can't agree on where to live because, like, she goes, they go to live up in her house in the mountains and he's miserable because he misses the sea. Mm -hmm. So they go and live by the sea and she's miserable because she misses the mountains and the sea's unsettling for her. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> they go back and forth a bit and they can't work out, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to sort this out? Let's just live apart. Mm -hmm. So she goes and lives in the mountains. He goes and lives in the sea, by the sea. Yeah. Either. And they just meet up every now and then at Asgard. Yeah, basically. That's it. They need to put the festivals and get on just fine. Yep. That was pretty good. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, that cuts out half the stuff I was going to say, but no, it's good. So. And not even a heathen either. Daughter of Thiazi. Not even a heathen. Wife of Njord. Yes. She is also, when you come to Loki being bound mm -hmm. in the myth cycle, when he's caught and he's bound... Yes. At the end. She is the one who sets the snake above him. Ooh. Ooh. Okay. And it's very clear about it. It's one of the only other big mentions that she gets apart from like the past panning crowd shot mentions. Mm, mm. She is the one who sets the snake above Loki when he is bound on the rocks as part of his punishment. Yeah. She is the one who sets the poison snake above his face. And it's right. very specific. It's not kind of like, oh, and they set a poison snake above his face and da 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 da. Yeah. It's very specific that she does it. Why? I don't know. Is it because, I mean, is it something to do with her being a Jotun and he's a Jotun? Well, he's a, they're a something. Um... Yeah, depending on which origin story you read. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying there, not to focus yeah. too much on Marvel because because reasons. I have a weakness for doing that because yeah. you know that's. But the story of her gearing up for war and going down to Asgard. That's Skaldskapamal, chapter fifty-six. Um, it's who? Sorry. The Skaldskapamal, chapter fifty-six. I need another drink. Excuse me. Okay, so that's. Very distinctive when she sat there in her father's hall, the hall that she and her father live in. It's got all the the finery, all the accoutrements, all the shinies that you could want. Mm -hmm. 
and she's waiting for her father to come back and he doesn't and she starts hearing the sound of partying which kind of parallels to me Grendel hearing the sounds at Heroes. Yes, yeah. So instead of just going down there in a murderous kind of shut that noise off, it's past 10 o'clock night rage, <laughs> she decides to kind of like go so very extra and like gear up before she goes. Yeah. And it specifically says that she puts on a helmet, she puts on her chainmail, and she picks up all of her weapons of war. All of her weapons of war. And that is a whole lot of... You can <clears throat> imagine that is a whole lot of weight to carry on a pair of skis going down a mountain. You'd pick up some speed, wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, axe, spear, knife, long knife. Second axe, just in case. And before anybody... <laughs> Bow, arrows, everything. Before anybody messages us about Galileo... I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know the extra weight wouldn't make her go down the hill any faster. No, she's got her rage doing that all on her own. She doesn't need the extra weight (laughs) of all of that as well. So there are only these two sort of focuses on her in the myths and they're these two stories that link together very neatly. Okay. Of her being partially mentioned in the first one and then bring brought into focus in that second one. Mm, she's like the, the main character for the second one. But yeah, even in that second one, the trickster themselves are the only one to make her laugh on her wedding day and fulfil one of the three conditions she sets for the gods. Mm. And yet by the end of the mid-cycle, very close to the end, mm. she is the one that ties the poison snake above his face. So it's like, what happened to their, the the friendship, the relationship, the bond that they had between them, that you've got it starting off in that story that he's the only one she laughs at. Mm-hmm. To her doing that at the end, what happened in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> Where did that go? Well, I mean, is is that something that they're likely to, you know, is there some missing piece that we... Probably, there's probably, that's the thing with missing stories is you don't know how many you're missing. I know sometimes they, they can tell, you know, in some texts and whatever, it's like you can tell that there's like the, the whole the, chunks of it missing. So many, so many chunks here and so many chunks there, but I didn't know whether there were any known gaps. There's probably a lot of unknown gaps. Yeah. <laughs> unknown unknowns. Unknown unknown. Lots and lots of unknown unknowns mm. with the myth cycles. So. For me, this is where Scarly becomes a lot more theologically reflective. Okay. She has only these two saga stories, if you like, these two points where she has big mentions and then there's occasional little ones. Um, Maybe, I mean, she started out wanting to marry Balder. She did. Maybe she was still had a soft spot for Balder and when Loki killed him, yeah. Or or arranged for him to be killed, let's say. That was something she wanted to be... Avenged Seemed for. to be an eye for an eye for. Mm. But, you, but you see, the thing is, there again, like we were saying earlier on, with Lex Talionis, the eye for an eye would seem to not apply with the way they treated the trickster. Yeah. Because, or at least if, you know, they ignored it. Because, yes, he killed a guy, which is obviously 
a very bad thing. Mm-hmm. But what they then did to him, you know, they bound him to a rock with a snake dripping poison on him, mm-hmm. ostensibly forever. Because they, you know, they didn't know that he was going to get out. and mm. So that... A little bit excessive? Strikes me as a little Just disproportionate. A, a disproportionate. But yes, back to Scarly. Sorry. No, no, it's all good. Um, but back to Scarly, she becomes a lot more theologically reflective for me. She has characteristics that maybe... Right now, at the time this is being recorded, which is in November 2020, we've been through a heck of a lot in the last nine months. It's been fun. All manner of things. And maybe this time, maybe where my mind is right now is very much on the qualities that Scardi is demonstrating. This relentless focus. Mm. The courage as a lone woman or a lone warrior even a lone warrior to walk into the halls of Asgard and walk right up to the high seat and say I want yeah you have done this I want it's pretty impressive it's yes even though she is almost relentlessly driven and focused on the things that she wants which she sets and you don't know whether she's deliberately meaning to set the gods impossible tasks Mm. Or whether she's trying to say, well, I've got to have... My honour has to be satisfied in the fact that you've murdered my father. But I am trying to give you a way out. I'm trying to weave a peace. Possibly. Or is she saying, no, soldiers to the peace. I've come loaded for bear. I am having these three impossible things. Yeah. So I don't know which way she was playing it, but... Can I do spoilers? For the myth cycle? No. Because <laughs> I think we're good for that one. You I want can to, do that. I want to do a spoiler for The Princess Bride. Yeah, I think we can do that one too. That's a film from the 80s, so I think we're probably safe. It's 40 years old. All the way through The Princess Bride in Jaeger Montoya mm. is uh, played by Mandy Patinkin. Very, very well. So very well. Um, Is expressing his intent to carry out a revenge... On For his father. The six-fingered man yeah. who murdered his father. Yes, when he was 11 years old. As encapsulated in his very famous greeting, which you are going to do because I know. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You, you killed, killed my, my father. father. Prepare, Prepare to, to die. die. Yes, and now that. I need to go watch that film again. <laughs> okay. That's, it doesn't take much, okay? It's yeah. All right. So at the end of the the point, I was the only point I was going to make was at the end of the film, he finally meets the six fingered man, and here's where the spoiler is: the six fingered man turns out to be somebody who is rather keen not to be killed. Yeah, kill surprise. And tries to bargain for his life. Mm. And he says to Montoya, "What do you want? You know, I'll give you anything you want. I'll give you." Money, jewels, yeah. Yeah, he tries to offer him all, all these things. Just just leave me, just let me live. I'll give you whatever you like. What, what, what do you want? And what's Montoya's reply? I want my father, but you... I can't say it. It's a family show. It's but a family yes. show. 
I want my father back, you... Yes. Unsavory term. Yes. And then kills him. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's possible that that's basically what Scarthy was doing? She's walked into the she's walked into the hall, and they've said to her, "What do you want?" I mean, either whichever way it's going to go, either they feel threatened by her, or they think, you know, we've got no particular beef with you. It'd be a shame to have to kill you. And they say to her, "What do you want?" Mm. And she says, "I want my father back, you son." Mm. Unsavory term. Yes. So she says to him, "I." She says to them, "I want my father to to." see me get married i want my i want my you know i want him there mm-hmm. and obviously they have to try and find a workaround because well he's crispy e- crispy eagle wings mm. yeah 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 well was just a thought so i think for me at, at this point when you're listening to this being recorded lovely listeners mm-hmm. this I've got a lot in my mind. I have, I'm very mindful of that single-minded focus, that determination. But when she, she decides what she wants and she goes and presents those demands, but then she finds that those people that she presents the demands to, there is a compromise that happens. Mm. And she doesn't, she is almost inflexible and she is unmoving, but she also accepts the compromise that's provided. Yeah. She doesn't do it kind of like, oh, well, if you wouldn't mind, please, that would be lovely. She walks right up to the high seat, slams a spear down on the floor and goes, I want. Yeah. These are my demands. And now you have to figure out how you're going to give those to me. Hmm. And she, yes, she is associated with mountains and hunting by archery, especially skiing, mm-hmm. snow, winter cold that relentless thing that the cold weather brings yeah that sort of relentless cold of the snow remembering when they were mammoths yes and when they were hunters and when they were packs of predators and when the weather with when the snow and ice and weather was a predator in itself Mm -hmm. that's the weather when i feel i go outside in the winter time and i feel that cold wind or I walk through snow under my feet, I have that sense of there is a predator in this landscape. Old man winter. And it is not me. <laughs> it's it's very much that sense of her. Mm. Blood, she who on, blood on the snow. She who hunts. Yeah. Blood on the snow, red and white. Yep. The red and the white is her to me personally as a heathen. And we cannot tell you how to heathen your experiences of Scarthy may vary. Indeed. And, you know, objects in the Scarthy view mirror. No, that's not working. Okay. So I wanted to finish off today with a couple of prayers to Scarthy. Mm. And I'm hoping that our virtual campfire landscape will accommodate a bit of a walk through the snow as I oh, read. Yeah. Because that will give that feel of being in that landscape so lovely listeners you have a choice you can stay wrapped up around the virtual campfire and listen to the words as they come back to you on the wind or you can follow me out into the snow and we'll see 
if we can give a prayer to Skadi, give it to the open air, give it to the snow, give it to the ice, mm. give it to the tracks that are laid out in front of us and that we create on our way through this life journey that we are all on. So I'd like to read firstly a prayer from the Pagan Book of Hours. Okay. So let's set off on a little bit of a walk. Hail, huntress of snow and ice. Hail, wife of Njord, the sea god, who would not compromise with anyone. Nor live on the shore near the sea birds, rather than your beloved snowy mountains. We who struggle between the tracks left by your winter sleigh. We whose bloody marks you track, skillful in your cold eye. We hail you, mistress of survival, Ettenbride of winter. Your cloak spreads white over the fields, the icy wind your breath, white wolf in the snow. Lady of the crisp, clear, starry sky. Over the frozen tundra, teachers of the narrow edge between living and dying and of that struggle and the cold, naked truth it reveals. Catch us naked in the snow, lady, we shall bear our throats to your wisdom and count ourselves lucky. Now that we are out in the wilds, beyond the warmth and light of the fire, out beyond the tree line and into the expanse, I would like to read a prayer from God's Own County Heathen Prayer Book from Dan Kultas and the Heathens of Yorkshire called Tharsi's Brave Daughter. Hail to Skadi, Lady of the Mountains, Thiazi's brave daughter, you showed no fear when you travelled to Asgard to avenge your father. Your demands were met. You left with your family's honour restored, Njord's strong bride. Your love is a troubled one. You find no rest beside the shore, he no peace amongst the ice. Sleep you could not on the sea beds for the screeching of the bird. Hateful for him are the mountains, ski goddess, protector of travellers, mother of many sons. We honour you this day. Hail, Skadi. Lovely listeners, I think it's high time we headed back to the warmth and the light and the safety of our virtual campfire to perhaps sit and share a story in the dusk and have a nice warm drink and a marshmallow and a marshmallow <laughs> or two if you would like to find us online you can find me i'm suzanne martin you can find me on facebook under that name you can also find me on twitter at geetha in jeans 
And if you should want me for any reason, you can either contact me through Suzanne, or if you come along and join us in our Discord channel, I'm usually hanging around in there too. Yep, so we do have a page on Facebook for this podcast, which is Frithcast Pod, and we also have a related Discord channel with a virtual campfire that you can come and sit with other lovely listeners around the world and chat heathenism and all manner of geeky queer things. We would love to see you there. We would. It's a bit warmer in round there than it is out here. <laughs> lovely listeners, we're going to leave you squidged up nice and toasty warm around the virtual campfire. Social distanced. Socially distanced. Listening to the wind whistle outside the tree line and the snow gently fall. We will talk to you all next time for episode 95 of Frithcast. Bye-bye. See you then.